hear what's going on, folks. Welcome to another week's Live Life Wrestling Show. This is Sincere Hogan. Got Mike Ball on the line as I do every week. <laughs> Gets to the point where it's just like, you know, I don't have to sit there and say that you're on the other line. I kind of hope that you are. One, one day I shouldn't be on the line. I know, it's going to really throw suck. people like, a curveball. I know, it's like, it's, it's just, just me. me. Today. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a cardboard cutout of Mike sitting over here. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, we're going to start doing the show, but only with one of us at a time. Exactly. So, you know, we're just going to trade off each week. <laughs> just yeah. to create some controversy. Those guys haven't fallen out. I haven't, yeah. We haven't heard them on the show together. Yeah, you know, Mike and Sincere fighting, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like people, it's like people share kids in a divorce. We're sharing the show. You know? so, okay, you get so, it this week. I get it next week. We're co-parenting the show. <laughs> Hashtag you're up. <laughs> <laughs> I get it for two weeks in July. You know, that's how it works out here in Texas. <laughs> well, we have a great guest today. We're going to get to him in a second. But just real quick, some shout outs to those of you that are using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off some great products and support the show. This week we have Tim Larkin, who's a good friend of ours, been on the show. And Sincere, you're actually coming out to take his course in Vegas next month. And then we have Jack Sumal out of the UK. We've got Anna Marie Rigg, David Danar, Calvin Davis, Carrie Knight, John Fleming, Lydia De La Torre, Kelly Campion, Mark Rothman, Chris Green, Chad Morita, and Randy Miller. They're all using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off all the products you see at MikeMahler.com, nutrition supplements, videos, T-shirts, you name it, and support the show. And those of you that had to do your taxes last week, like me, you probably have some adrenal fatigue this week, your cortisol <laughs> surging. So get some red, get on red, get some rhodiola, ashwagandha, shilajit, and maca. It's all loaded up in there to rejuvenate your adrenals, make you just feel fantastic. And what's going on with you, man? Say, man, I want to give a shout out to Prince Bell and Thomas Lloyd, who went over to newwarriortraining.com, used that same coupon code, got 10% off. Got their Cheria doors, getting ready to have their coffee and their tea, and I uh, appreciate that, fellas. You know, good looking out with that. And you guys can do the same thing. Go over there, grab a Cheria door, get the both seats as if you need to re-up on those if you already have a Cheria door, as well as go ahead and sign up for the weight management program. The DVD's got all that good stuff over there. I got to use that coupon code, get 10% off. And also want to give a shout-out to another VIP, Corbin Thomas is what he's participating in what I'm calling now the Patreon bump. That's what I'm going to start calling this. That's when our monthly Patreon supporters go back in and actually increase their monthly do- donation to the LLA show for their Patreon support. So Corbin bumped his up. So, yeah. So all you other folks out there, hey, go ahead and go to Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show. If you're already supporting the show monthly on Patreon, go ahead and do like Corbin and get that Patreon bump. Bump it up from $5 to $10 to 20 Hey, it's all on you, man. We'll, we'll take it. And Prince, speaking of Prince Bell, he has a great Star Wars channel, and he's actually getting me. He's he's actually growing a brain and starting to monetize this. And uh-huh. he has he has a new lightsaber out that that it's a flashlight, but it looks like a <laughs> lightsaber. <laughs> so, <laughs> so make sure to hit him up. Go to his Star Wars channel, ask him about it, blast him on Twitter, emails. Just get a get an ETA when yep. that's coming out. <laughs> you know, man, I, I I was wondering what he was talking about when he had that dark side edition. Okay. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> flesh lightsaber, I believe. <laughs> Hashtag flesh lightsaber. <laughs> hey, you should be very careful because you know the porn industry loves to do spoofs of movies, so you should be careful when you say things like that, Mike. It's just a matter of time. Get, get that get that trademark, Prince. <laughs> right <laughs> Before now. I do and then sell it to you. <laughs> 
All right, we have a great guest today. We have Andrew Marr, who's a former Special Forces Green Beret, and he's the founder of a fantastic organization that I'm very happy to support, which is the Warrior Angels Foundation. And we support it through the show. You notice it's in the show notes every week as one of our go-to organizations that we wholeheartedly support and trust. And it's an organization that's on a mission to stop the deaths of veterans suffering from PTSD caused by traumatic brain injuries. And this is something we talked to Dr. Mark Gordon about a few Mm -hmm. times when he's been on the show. He's very passionate about helping these people, and as is Andrew, who benefited from Mark's work and then founded an organization to help others. Andrew, how are you doing today? Awesome. Mike and Sincere, thank you for having us on. And uh, man, how about the Fleshlight Saver? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll make sure he sends you a couple samples to try out. <laughs> no doubt. Now that, now that you're feeling so good using Dr. Mark Gordon's protocols and so forth, you, know, you can take full advantage of that. <laughs> yeah, they call mine the extra large uh, Fleshlight Saver. Uh, he's going to the dark side version too. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, man, I, I'm curious how this whole thing came together for you. How did you meet up with Dr. Mark Gordon and begin this journey? You know, like you said, I was uh, a Green Beret for just under nine years and uh, as a lead performer that entire time until one day I woke up after my last appointment and found myself on 13 different medications. I was an alcoholic. My wife, who was her uh, fifth child, um, she was nine months pregnant. Her request of me for the day is if I couldn't drink so much in case she went into labor mm. um, so she didn't have to drive herself to the hospital. You know, And at that point, it was a wake-up, and the wake-up was, hey, the treatment that I'm getting for a traumatic brain injury is predicated on psychotherapy and medication. Yeah, And that's done nothing to improve my quality of life. As a matter of fact, it's only made, made things worse. And the reason, Mike, the reason uh, Sincere is it did that is it didn't treat the underlying condition. So if you're just masking symptoms, as you guys well know, you're not getting to the root cause. You're just further exacerbating the problem. So, you know, being in that spiraled out of control, I started to go to the scientific literature. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to figure this out for myself because uh, there's got to be a different way, a better way. And um, we were able to go out and find some different things that were working, got out to uh, Texas to a place that was um, specializing in neuro and biofeedback and started to have a little bit of success there. Um, And that drew some news coverage. And by this time, you know, we had started the foundation, not really with the focus, but just knowing that we wanted to help solve this problem of traumatic brain injuries and post-traumatic stress, uh, specifically in the veteran community. And uh, Dr. Gordon saw an article uh on the internet, I believe, and uh, contacted us through email, you know, set it up, you know, said, hey, we've been helping veterans for a long time. I think this might be something that uh, you're interested in, interested in, take a look at it. Oh, and by the way, I'm not a kook. Um, so <laughs> we know what you want to do. <laughs> he's a bit of a nut. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's eccentric. He's eccentric. <laughs> But uh, so I ended up getting out to California, um, had the, the treatment, and within hours of, you know, what we call a provocative testosterone injection, um, I was feeling remarkably better. And I equate it to like having a lead apron vest that you wear at the x-ray uh, machine, yeah. like that was taken off of me for the first time and I could start to breathe, you know. And um, Was it just testosterone that you were given or was it? Yeah, a yeah it was just to see how I reacted uh, to the specific blend um, that he had. And I reacted very well. Was, um, this, was this an injection, Andrew? Yep, injection. Mm-hmm. 
So just yeah. within minutes, you just started feeling within within, wow. within three hours. Okay, you know, I was wow. driving uh, south on the four hundred five. Anybody's familiar with the LA area? That's a oh yeah, pretty uh, high anxiety level yeah, drive. Man. But you know, at this time, <laughs> I didn't have con- control of my faculties, and I noticed that I was driving. I was in traffic. The music was on. I was just chilled, and I was like, "Oh, holy shit, man! Like either this is a placebo, or my body's deficient in this. And like, either one, I don't care because I haven't felt like this." In over a year. And and like I said, that wasn't even, you know, dialed in surgical, you know, what I needed. It was just see how I responded. So things only got better uh, from there. But that's that's kind of the genesis of of me and Dr. Gordon. Well, just just backtracking a little bit. When did you were these symptoms something where it it kicked in overnight where all of a sudden you're depressed and despondent and and you don't know what you're just in this frazzled state or was it a gradual buildup? It was a gradual buildup, Mike, and the first thing that that happened to me, and after talking to a lot of people, it's very similar, is uh, my libido just, boom, gone, nothing. Mm. And I was uh, 31 at the time, and so I just got back from uh, physical, physically and emotionally taxing deployment, and uh, I just figured, hey, man, we've been pushing for a long time, and my body hasn't had the time to heal. So it's just taking time to, to get back on track. And um, that's all I thought of it. But when you have a wife, she doesn't see it that way. So that's what made things difficult because she thought, okay, well, either you have somebody else or you just <laughs> right. you know what I mean? So yeah. that's where that's, that was difficult. But, you know, so the libido led into the just uh, crazy fatigue and, you know, difficulty functioning and then to all out short-term memory loss, uh, migraine headaches, double vision balance issues, um, and then all the behavioral cascades with uh, coming into depression and then uh, anxiety, panic attacks, um, crying for no reason. And again, something's wrong with me, but I don't know what's wrong with me. I want to get help, but all I'm getting is, is medication and psychotherapy. So, you know, that was that was, uh, you know, how that was started to play out. On, on previous deployments, did you find that you also had a loss in libido, but then that came back after a certain period of time? Never, never was an issue, Mike, okay. uh, before. Um, I'm just curious if there were any, yeah, I'm just curious if there were any similar symptoms that you recovered from quickly. So that made you think that, hey, maybe it's just going to take a little bit longer this time around. Yeah, my, my, my thinking was, you know, you try to rationalize why it's happening. I was like, I don't know. The only thing that, that's different is, you know, this was this was really intense. This this last appointment and uh, I missed a child's birth or whatever, and and then you come home and you're forced right back into uh, the the regular world and Western society, and you know, it just wasn't working. So I I don't know. Right. I, to me, I was like, okay, well, one less thing to worry about. Uh, but now on, on the last deployment. Yeah, exactly. And the last deployment, did you have a particular event where you did suffer some head trauma? I definitely had. Uh, yeah, I was knocked unconscious uh, right. once um, briefly, but uh, my job specifically had to do with the explosives. And so I was in, in my entire career in and around uh, countless explosions. And we now know that the, the blast wave that uh, propagated from, from that is, is very damning when you're up uh, in close proximity to it. And it's like it, everybody's different. Um, and so how many licks does it take to get to the center of a tissue roll right. pop? You know, I don't know if it happened to be after nine years, you know, it was the, yeah. the burn had enough. Yeah, because, I mean, we're, when we talked to Dr. Mark Gordon, he said that you could have 
similar issues just from, let's say, high school football, yeah. a head, just a head hit there. Or you could go snowboarding and you have a bad fall and you hit your head on the ice and then these symptoms manifest later and you just don't draw the correlation or the connection. That, that's exactly right. And that, that's part of the problem is with the, the current medical system. Does, they don't do their due diligence in, in getting the complete data in a person's history or timeline. So when somebody starts having these behavioral manifestations and these physical ones, but they can't necessarily uh, pinpoint it to something in their recent right. history, um, then they're like, oh, we don't know. You know well, you well have- one of the big problems also is the fact that the medical community is very divisive on the benefits of testosterone. A lot of people say this, there's no benefit <clears throat> to, to testosterone. Others say it's dangerous. Others say it's dangerous to do TRT for any reason. So there's not a lot of cohesiveness in the medical community as it is. Only now are we starting to get out of that dark ages where people are understanding how important testosterone is to men for overall what health and vitality. Like pigeonhole it to a certain age group. So, you know, someone in Andrew's case, if he's coming in at 31 and he's thinking like, okay, maybe I need to get my, you know, hormones checked out and testosterone. They're like, well, why would you want to do that? You know, I've, I've had, I've experienced that so many times. I say, okay, I want to get my, my hormones tested. I want to get my testosterone tested. Well, why? I'm like, uh, because, uh, it's very mm-hmm. vital to my health. Yeah, but you're young. You don't have to worry about that right now. Okay. What I want to worry. Well, that, that's a, that's a good assessment on whether you should stay. It, well, and that's the reason why I'm not with that right. doctor. If I, if I go to a doctor and I want to have some tests done, I don't have to explain exactly. why I want to have those tests done. Just, just run the fucking tests and then we'll talk yeah, about plus the results. more money in your pocket, <laughs> buddy. I'm helping you out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's my data. Let me have my data and hands off. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah. I've seen that uh, as well. And just uh, horrible stories. And, you know, my testosterone, both three in, in total, were just astronomically low. And I was seeing an endocrinologist uh, through the military. And I had to go through two because the both of them looked me in the eyes and said the only way, the only physiolo- physiological explanation of having these levels so low is if you're abusing anabolic steroids. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. I was like, do you even know the difference between a barrel and a buttstock? Or I pointed one at another human. And you're well, well what's sad like is they think that's the only reason. That's what's really yeah. sad right there. Exactly. It's, like, <laughs> you know? it's, it's fun to come in here and say all this stuff like that. That's fun for me. And uh, it's all a big game. Come on. And they should know by the, the ratio of different levels if that's the case as well. So, yeah, so not, just, not only are they not educated on why levels can be low, they're not even late, they're not even educated on on how to assess why the label levels are low. 100%, you're you're 100% accurate man. So the amount of misinformation and disinformation and and the uneducated part of it is is rampant. Uh, even even today, you know, we think, okay, well, people are starting to come out of dark, dark ages, but there's a big sector of that 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 still uh, is very much not aware of you know these things. You know, these things are produced by the body and uh, very crucial to our well-being and functioning. And uh, if they're deficient or insufficient, you have all these problems with your quality. There's also of life. This, this issue with yeah, and- the unwillingness to say I don't know. You know, these doctors feel like they just have to give you an answer. It's like, you know, how hard is it to say, you know what, I don't know. Let me check into that. Let me let me find out more because, yeah, you can't expect them. It's kind of like just like cops not knowing every law out there. Well, the, like the problem is they think they think they well, know. That's what I'm saying. The they're, unwillingness. So they're, they're not even they're not even a set. They're not even thinking. Maybe I don't know. They, they're like, oh, this exactly. is why. That's what I'm saying. You just yeah, without without having anything to without having anything to support why they think that. I mean, just, but this, this, on a, I'm on a, on a much lower level, I got into studying hormone optimization because I was suffering from hormone imbalances myself. And I went through, and it wasn't anything as severe as what you're, what, what you went through, head concussion, PTSD symptoms. But I was very frustrated with 
the doctors I spoke to as well because no one really knew what the hell they were talking about, which the only thing good about that is it allowed me to go into deep research and figure out these things on my own where now I don't need them. I can get lab work done on my own. I can assess what's going on. I can develop protocols and so forth and help others do the same. But when yeah, did you, you- – your own best advocate, just like you said, man. And, and you know, Yeah, the exactly. Are like now we don't have to worry about, okay, am I getting better information? But you just have to know how to, to sort through information you know, and, and make sure it's credible and referenced work. But if it meets those certain criteria, you can be confident that that, that, is the, that is the deal. And so that's why it was easy for me to also do the same thing and say, okay, well, you guys are telling me just flat-out shit that is wrong. Yeah, that's the problem. Also, like sincere say this. In, in addition to not being will, not willing to admit you don't know, they're giving you information that is not substantiated at all. Right. Mm-hmm. They're just making these flat out statements like, "Oh, here's what's going on." It's like, okay, exactly. based on what? Mike, where did you go to when you started looking in to find out, you know, uh, what was going on with your home hormones? Well, you started you, start- you started with just general practitioners, which as sincere already discussed, is a total waste of time. A lot of first, you have to convince them why you should even run the test. And then I went mm-hmm. to some anti-aging doctors, and that was a step up. But the problem I had with anti-aging doctors is they would just look at numbers on a piece of paper and then come up with the easiest way to improve those numbers. So if, you're, if your levels are low, they go, okay, let's get you on TRT. And at, at least they're willing to do that. But in my case, I wanted to understand why it was low because it didn't really right. – and it wasn't even super low like what you were talking about. It just wasn't optimal. So I, I, mm-hmm. to me, TRT didn't make a lot of sense for someone who's 31 – Right off the bat, it's like why, why don't we why don't we look at mineral deficiencies? Why don't we look at adrenal health? Why don't we look at all these other protocols? Your sleep quality? Do you have a lot of stress in your life right now? You know, there was no questionnaire about what's going on in your life because stress, the cortisol can just cannibalize testosterone dramatically. Absolutely. So anyway, these are things I discovered on my own through through my own research, and I was able to optimize my levels without having to resort to TRT or any kind of hormone replacement. But it's, it's, it's just the, the, there wasn't a willingness to take the time to really assess each person was what I gathered. It was more, okay, here are your numbers, and here's the easiest way that I can get you to improve them and get you out it the door. It was one of those if-then type situations, like if he has this, then give him this. If, you know, right, right. <laughs> Come on, man. It's not like choose your own adventure or something like that, man. It's like you – know, well, it's like if someone has ED, right? It's like, okay, okay let's, let's, let's give you Viagra and get you out the door rather than asking, okay, well, what's your diet like? Because if you have a crappy diet, that's going to cause arterial blockages. If you have a lot of stress in your life, that's going to cause ED. You know, there's so many reasons why you could have ED. So it's, it's worth assessing all of those things and improving all of those lifestyle, lifestyle, making all those lifestyle changes and then going from there. And then something like Viagra, Cialis, et cetera, that should be the final resort when everything else fails rather than, okay, let's just put you on this and get you out the door. Now, to be fair, a lot of consumers want these quick fix solutions as well. So it's not just the doctor's fault. A lot of of consumers are like, well, look, I don't want to cut out bacon and pancakes (laughs) for breakfast. I don't want to start exercising three times a week. You know, I don't want to get more quality sleep. Just give me the pill, doc. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't know what to, I don't know how to to say to those people. You know what I mean? Like, you know. Uh, that that doesn't work. <laughs> and then, but then there are situations where it's the obvious solution, right? Where someone has had brain trauma, these natural protocols that I'm talking about are going to be completely ineffective. So that's where something such as TRT, I think even DHEA, just just replacing a lot of the hormones makes total sense. 
Yeah, and, and then again, you know, that's what Dr. Gwynn looks at is the, the neurosteroids produced in the brain, which is, you know, hormones. And prior to 1986, that wasn't, we weren't even aware that uh, hormones were produced in the brain at all. So now we know they're synthesized in both the central and the peripheral glands. Right. And um, so when you're deficient in that, and it's not just testosterone, it's the pre, like you said, it's some of the precursors to that, the DHEA, pregnenolone, right. uh, allopregnenolone, you know, with the HDH and um, uh, and all these other factors, they have to be addressed. And it's not, the body is not as simple as just, okay, this person's deficient in testosterone, giving testosterone. That, that doesn't, that doesn't solve the equation. That doesn't fix the problem. And uh, if you haven't gone upstream of, of looking for deficiencies there, you're really not solving the problem. Right. So right. if you need to do the complete panel, yeah. and it goes back to what you guys are saying is, uh, you know, the quality of your questions can determine the quality of your life. So if you can figure out how to ask the right questions, you can get the right answers. And here's an interesting fact. In America today, I think it's 62 minutes is the average wait time spent in a doctor's office. And the average time actually seeing the doctor is between six and eight minutes. Oh, that's generous. You know, so what that's very minutes? generous. Six to eight minutes. I'm like, really? <laughs> They're being very generous with that. It's like, it's dude, not, it's, it's like a drive-by diagnosis. It's just like, hey, how you doing? Call for me. Let me check the back of your throat. Okay, here you go. Here's a prescription. All right, just go see the nurse on your way out and just pay. Like, really? And then Two, two of those minutes is with an index finger in your butt. In that. <laughs> Possibly a flashlight <laughs> Exactly. Well, that, that's why I think it behooves people to take charge of a large part of their health uh, on, on their own. And I'm not saying that you should treat, yeah. treat. Yeah, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a doctor at all, but you should be as educated as much as possible on your own health. Yeah, you have to take into effect all the environmental factors and uh, external, you know, factors, uh, light, you know, noise, diet, sleep, air quality, water quality, all that has to be accounted for. If you really want to perform and feel phenomenal, those all have to be in the right balance. Right. And when Dr. Gordon was on last time, we did talk about the importance of optimizing the entire sex hormone profile. So pregnenolone, DHEA, androstenedio, testosterone, et cetera. So I think the mistake a lot of anti-aging doctors or some at least are people in general is they're overemphasizing testosterone and not looking at the entire picture. Because, I mean, if you increase testosterone and DHEA is still low, you're not going to feel as good. If you increase yeah. DHEA and testosterone by pregnenolone, which is a very important neural neural steroid or neural hormone, then you're, mm -hmm. you're still not going to get the full benefits. It's when you create that orchestra between all of the sex hormones, that's when you feel like a million bucks. Yeah, it's exactly right. You know, it's a, it's a symphony. Uh, or think of it as a, as a stereo and uh, the pituitary gland. Um, is the is the equalizer and the balancer and it all has to be in the right balance so if any of that is thrown off the whole thing is out of whack and so that's very much the case mike yeah now dr mark gordon has also used clomid quite a bit and quote clomid is a fertility drug but it also helps rejuvenate natural levels of testosterone a lot of bodybuilders use it after steroid cycles to get natural levels back up have you found that that's an effective option for some of the soldiers you work with? Yeah, so we've treated now over uh, 100 uh, veterans and service members since January of, uh, of last year, and the, a lot of them are on the, the Clomid protocols, and we're seeing phenomenal results. We're just coming to the end of a Dr. Gordon Millennium Health Center's a three-year study. Um, we'll put the results out later, but it has been phenomenal where that's able to stimulate uh, the production of, of testosterone, and some people have... Uh, 
taken them off in the Clomid and it's stuck. So it's turned their system back on effectively. Yeah, so there, that's another important distinction is when to use which protocol. And that's where someone like Dr. Mark Gordon is so good at. And I know he's educating other doctors now. He's doing courses for other physicians who want to get into this line of work. Yeah, absolutely. We trained, uh, he trained 42 last year and we have a training in his product 2022. We have 500, uh, doctors trained by Dr. Gordon in these protocols where then we now have them spread out across the straight, uh, the, the states where we can implement and send our guys and girls to these various doctors that we have vetted and ready to go in every state. What, what kind of pushback have you gotten? From other doctors, are there are there doctors you come across who are just very skeptical as these being effective methods? They they are, and they they are come out looking foolish every time because everything right. is one hundred percent backed up by the scientific literature, uh, and then you have the clinical application. So, like I said, twelve to thirteen hundred TB civilian TBI cases Dr. Gordon's treated, and then now we've done over a hundred veterans, and they all have. Uh, you know, these incredible results. I mean, guys on 15, 17 different medications, multiple suicide attempts, now off all medications, back to living lives, having jobs, being in the, in the family and this, that and the other. So, you know, the evidence is there, but there's always pushback when anything is new or different from the status quo and doesn't right. matter what it is. Um, and then you want to talk about something like dealing with uh, the word steroids uh, it's just grossly uh, misunderstood. And all anybody knows is, oh, you know, there's a baseball scandal and that's cheating and <laughs> right. this, that, and the other. No concept of what they're talking about. So that's what you're fighting. You're fighting against, the, uh, you know, just the unknown. Can we start talking about fighting? What is, okay, now we know as far as the news has been the last few years, man, just with the VA, the VA is a hot mess. And you have a lot of these soldiers coming back mm-hmm. right now, man, and they're dealing with, you know, traumatic, traumatic brain disorder and PTSD. And there's not really, a lot of them are not getting, we were talking about you know waiting six you know 67 minutes you know just for a doctor just this is for the, just a civilians you know we're not even talking about what soldiers are going through waiting for treatment and doctors at the va which is probably two or three times as much and probably i'm probably being very generous with that like what has been the biggest issue as far as dealing with them as far as this protocol and them any roadblocks from the va trying to stop this protocol and you know just trying to implement their input on this but at the same time not trying to create a solution for it or anything like that what has that been like now with the va well uh through dr gordon we've been able to get in contact with the uh the secretary of the veterans administration so i mean they're hearing the information um but you know right right now there's there's been no movement on it and what we now realize is you can't necessarily affect the va directly you have to affect them indirectly okay well how do you do that you do that by getting to the budget makers and the policy makers and showing that you have a viable solution that is better than the current solution and more importantly to them uh less expensive well it just so happens that we have all that um and and so that's the route we're taking but we're getting a independent review board together to analyze the the results that we're we're, we're finding and uh in hopes of having that published in the scientific literature uh in the next uh year and then being able to take that that validation to Capitol Hill to back up you know the clinical application that we're seeing with the results as well now I'm curious what about are there any women that have come to you for help as well yeah, we uh, absolutely. Uh, so 
what they call is a mil- MST, uh, military sexual trauma. Uh, a lot of uh, females have, uh, have run into that, and that's led to other physical traumas as well, as well as you know some combat injuries. So it's not it's not just a, a one side of the uh, this aisle for for males. It's both sides. A military sexual trauma that's just assault. Uh, yeah, assault, okay. rape, you know, like that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. Even, yeah. What's what? I, mean, I, I would imagine that that's a multifaceted approach. Then, when working with such people, is it counseling and then hormone optimization, hormonal profiles? Yeah, we we don't all, we don't personally offer through the foundation any uh, uh, psychotherapy or, or counseling like that. Okay. Um, it's just in, in addition to what they're already doing, you know. But again, if you're having these behavioral issues, if you're having uh, these problems with uh, reliving something in the past. But there's also physical trauma in your timeline. We're finding more times than not that that's coming from a traumatic brain injury and not post-traumatic stress. The symptoms that we're finding from post-traumatic stress are a result of the traumatic brain injury. And again, that's a result of being deficient or insufficient in these ever-important neurosteroids hormones produced in the brain. So fix that. Fix the deficiency. Replace, uh, replenish to, to the correct physiological levels. Quality of life improves 100 out of 100 times. And, uh, you know, we're not here selling any false hope or, or false evidence. Again, it's all backed up in the literature and, again, now through uh, over 100 cases that we have through the foundation. Yeah. I mean, that movie Concussion goes over how a lot of the NFL players experience very similar side effects from brain concussions yeah. that you guys go through and how people were very reluctant to accept any truth on that, obviously for financial purposes. But also just to draw the connection. People are very reluctant to draw the connection at all. It's a scary thing when you think about it for the first time. You know, you're having these problems and then somebody says, you know, you have brain damage or you you have brain trauma. You think, my God, I have what? You know, there's no way from what? Just hitting my head? That that couldn't happen. But we know that it can. Um, but the beautiful thing about it is, Mike and Sincere, is there's an answer. There's a solution, again, and, and it's by correcting a deficiency the right way, the insufficiency the right way, we can get your life back on track. And um, so my hope is we can also you know, educate the NFL on this as well um, and, and bring this to, to those athletes as well. But, I mean, it's not just a veteran issue. It's not just an athletic injury uh, an issue. This is uh, anybody can sustain a traumatic brain injury. Mm, and right. like I said earlier, it can be months, uh, years after the initial trauma when these symptoms start. And that, that's the difficult part. And so that, that, you know, knowing is half the battle on that. So being able to draw that and uh, have somebody asking you good questions to figure out, Hey, was there, it was there trauma in this person's timelines? And if so, um, you know, what and when, and how, how do, how can we hone in and affect that? And it's as simple as an objective blood test. Now, in addition to the blood test, do you do, do you also do brain scans? Is that part of the assessment? No, we, do, we don't need to do brain scans because by looking at the chemistry and seeing what's out of alignment, um, we can then tell by the certain uh, deficiencies, you know, okay, this has happened because 
traumatic brain. Okay, well, how do you know that? Well, we know if the luteinizing hormone right. is an overdrive, it's because the pituitary gland, uh, there's a problem there and it can't effectively send out the testosterone. So you look for these deficiencies and spikes in one area and things that are uh, low in another area are some telltale signs. And again, Dr. Right. Gordon is the expert on that, but that uh, I got the benefit of listening to him talk. No, that's a, good, that's a good simple way to determine whether TRT is the right approach. Your LH is really high, but your testosterone is still low. You know, that's often right. a sign that because if LH is low, then that's often you can go, okay, let's improve LH and we'll get our testosterone back up. But if LH is high, sometimes it's like towards the very end of high and then testosterone is extremely low, that's an obvious disconnect where the signal is not getting there, as you said, and you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to optimize it naturally, right? That's exactly right. So that's how you can pinpoint that deficiency, looking at, at those levels. So uh, luteinizing hormone is a big one, and, and there's some other ones as well. And, again, he's the expert on it, but um, that's one definite way that you can figure that out. I think the big problem is the misunderstanding with PTSD because most <clears throat> people, especially, especially speaking about civilians, they just assume that all of these symptoms are from experiences that occurred overseas, just really stressful experiences. Yeah. Rather than so you could you could have gone out there and let's say not had any really stressful experiences, but you had a head trauma and you're going to come back with some really bad. Yeah, I was just going to bring it up because there's this big yeah. disconnect also from civilians. You know, I always hear about, you know, I, I, I support the troops and, and you know, that, that's great. But things like this should the way that this has been approached, this this whole outlook of PTSD and, and TBIs, citizens should be civilians should be as outraged as soldiers are. Because, I mean, when you, when you hear about the rates of suicide, you know, that are attributed to this, to TV, you know, t to PTSD and, and TBI, you know, that should outrage, you know, folks, especially folks who say they support the truth. Because if you truly support them, then you should be out there screaming and shouting and, you know, supporting organizations like yours, as well as go, going to their congressmen and, and tell them, like, dude, we've got to do something to help these guys coming back and these ladies because they're going over there. They're, su they're putting such a big sacrifice for our freedoms over here. Why are we not trying to give something back to them? And, and not why are we not pissed off about this? You know, why are they getting tossed to the side? And I really think there's like a big disconnect when it comes to this. And there's so much that many don't know as far as civilians. And that those that do know, just like you said, Mike, it's just like, well, that's because they saw some action over there. They kind of knew what they were getting into. And this it's just a part of the game, you know, when you're when you're a soldier, you know, not knowing that. And it doesn't. Well, affect a lot me of people say they don't care, fire, but it does affect you as a civilian because, A, again, you know, this is something that's, you know, they're protecting us. And on top of that, we do pay for it. You know, you still paying for it one way or the other, one way or the other. So it's just like so my thing is you, they've invested in us. Why are we not doing the same? you know, on a larger scale. Like, what is the roadblock with all that, man? Well, I think it's, it's, upon, it's upon people that take charge of this, though, right? A lot of people think, oh, the government should be doing this. Well, if every American citizen donated $1 to Warrior Angels, you know, that, that would pretty much solve this problem in terms of having the resources to give every soldier what he or she needs to get full recovery. So when people say they support the troops, what the fuck are you doing? I got a ribbon on the, the back of my car. Because I hear people say that all the I hear people say that right. all the time. It's easy to say, but what are you actually doing? You know, how do you quantify that? Are you are you helping out or are you hiring a soldier in your company? Are you donating money to an organization? Are you sending clothing and supplies overseas? I mean, what exactly are you doing? And the average person, let's be honest, isn't doing jack shit. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's we're beyond the point of, you know, just offering up awareness. What we need is viable solutions. And right. uh, 
how I rate a, a charity or a nonprofit is what kind of value are they creating? You know, what are they actually doing? Are they just giving out vacations or are they actually doing something? Right. And judge, you know, judge us by the value of what our participants are saying. Uh, and it's giving somebody their life back. And so you can be confident uh, if, if you are interested in, in supporting that we will use the funds to give somebody their life back. We are founded and run by combat veterans. And so uh, we uh, very much understand the sacrifice and the duty that we have to put into this to right the wrong. And like you said, Mike, it's, it's not, it's assuming somebody else is going to do it. You know, you can't have that mindset because you'll end up failing more times than not. So our, our mindset was, you know, if you don't like it, fix it. Don't complain about it. Find a way to make it better. Or else it's called bitching, and I hate right. bitching. So right. coming up with right. solutions, <laughs> and uh, the with post traumatic stress, you know, it, it, it is it is a big misconception, and uh, by definition, that's purely a psychological issue. And so, if somebody again has had any kind of physical trauma, we have to look at that first. And the problem with the system is when they diagnose somebody with post traumatic stress, it's okay. You're going to go on packet of drugs number A. And then three months later, when you're still depressed, we'll put you on packet of drugs number B. You know, I was clinically diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, and it was hard for me to swallow because I was like, hey, I've been doing this for a long time. Matter of fact, this is my purpose, or I thought it was my purpose, uh, to lead men into battle, to kill evil, to free the oppressed. And now you're just telling me all of a sudden I've seen too much combat and, I, and my brain can't take it. That never sat well with me, you know, and that's, so that's when I went and started looking at the sex hormones and endocrine system myself, Mike, and started finding out some of these correlations. And um, we, when you treat the body as a, as it's a physical injury, um, now I have no problems with things I used to get hung up on uh, emotionally. And again, it was because I couldn't process things right in my frontal, you know, lobe and my neocortex because of the inflammation and the oxidative, uh, uh, stress and free radicals there just made a mess where nothing was getting done. But you clear that up. Guess what? Now I can operate as good, if not better, than I was before. I can think clearly. I can recognize that, okay, this situation deems this type of action. Um, so I, I can give the appropriate response. Whereas before, you know, somebody gets just blown into rage over something that didn't uh, warrant that kind of reaction. And, um, and, and so, but again, there are answers and there's help for all these things, and we, we're showing it time and time again. Yeah, I think it's deducting way too much when someone looks at special forces operators and says, oh, you just saw one too many things over there. That's why you're experiencing these things because you guys are so mentally tough. That would be very low on the list of assessment tools that I use. Yeah, that it just it, – it, I mean talk about the ultimate disrespect and slap right. in the face. This is, right. Many guys came into SF Special Forces after 9/11, so there was no, you know, preconceived notions or misconception about what was at stake. You know what I mean? You knew what you were getting into. Nobody really knows combat or war until they effectively are in it. But you understand what you're getting yourself into to some degree, uh, and so to do that over and over again, and then to find out that that is something that you can do well. Uh, and you you can operate effectively in that environment, and then one day somebody just says, "Well, it's like a, it's like you've had uh, too many missions, and uh, you used to close the file on it, but now you've had so many files in your file cabinet that we can't close the door, and it just <laughs> yeah. spills out at times." 
Right. And like, I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me, man. That's, that's, <laughs> that's not the case. Um, and I'm so glad that we were able to figure out, you know, what was going on. So many people out there are suffering and they're confined to a life sentence um, where they think that they're going to have to live in solitude and just deal with this uh, and, until their, you know, their, their breath runs out. And again, it's not the yeah, case. I'm impressed. No, I'm just saying, you're you saying like so many folks are out there, they're, you know, dealing with this. How do you guys reach out to them and, and show that, hey, you know, our organization is here because there's so many organizations out there. There's so many different like options, uh, you know, and some of them are viable options. And some of them we've come to find out, especially some very large scale organizations are not exactly doing the things they said they were doing on the level that they're saying that they're doing it. So how do you guys, you know, how do you remain transparent at the same time also become being in a situation where you're easy to find for folks who are who are dealing with these situations for soldiers who are coming back. Yeah, great, great question, sincere. I mean, first off, there's over forty thousand uh, military and veteran support organizations, so there is just you know input right. overload on what to, what to do. But then again, you know, you have to judge it by the value they're creating, and so you know, you know that that's the difference with what we're doing. We reach people through a few, uh, several different means. You know, one through uh, being blessed with opportunities like this that you've afforded us to to talk on on podcasts, radio shows, uh, TV, things of this nature, uh, our online social media presence, our website, www.waftbi.org. And then, you know, uh, the reason that we were able to uh, get a foothold and remain transparent is our credibility inside the community, inside the special operations community. Uh, my brother, the co-founder, was also an Apache pilot. Uh, so his his credibility. So, again, we're we're founded and run by combat veterans specifically to help combat veterans with traumatic brain injury and post-traumatic stress. So uh, we will lose clout the instant the instant we do something self-serving or uh, that's not in the best interest of the population that we're treating. And I would hope that would be the case. That would be uh, exposed immediately. But I'll tell you, I'll die before that happens. So we, we, you know, we believe in doing the right thing, not for promise of reward or for fear of failure, just because it's the right thing to do. And uh, you, again, you remain transparent by saying exactly what it is you intend to do, how you intend to do it, and then by making uh, things like your financials transparent and things like that. But that you know, that's common for for all nonprofits. Um, but again, it's, it's doing and saying, uh, it, it's doing what you're, you're going to say and saying what you're going to do, you know what I mean? And, and following, walking the walk and talking the talk. And, and that, that's what's helped us with a lot of the, our population, you know, being confident and knowing what they're going to get from us. Good. Well, I think that's one thing that's great about you guys is you founded this organization and you suffered right. from these things that you're helping other people with. So this, this whole, this whole organization came out of your personal journey. I'm curious, when you were going through the lowest state, you were severely depressed, despondent, how did, how did you have the energy to even look for solutions to get yourself out of this deep hole? You know, it, it probably goes back to who I was before it happened. Uh, right, right. And being resilient. And, you know, here's the thing, Mike, like I was able to, you know, resiliency is ability to bounce back from perceived difficult situations stronger. Right. And, uh, you know, I understood the science of, of uh, positive thinking and uh, the science behind winning and things like that it was very important to me, uh, learning that early on in my uh, special forces career. So, you know, I had had this positive self-talk, this positive inner dialogue, you know, positive self-discipline, self-belief that never left me. Um, but 
when the new things entered, you know, I wanted to find out why. And then getting getting all the information I was getting, being told essentially, hey, this is the new you. Uh, make sure you have a GPS with you everywhere you go because you're going to get lost. Make sure you always have a pad and, and, and a paper on you because you're not going to remember. And, uh, you know, you have to do things in these successive orders. I just refused to accept that. And so I think it was the drive um, – that it was important to me to leave the right legacy behind and, you know, for my children. And I think, you know, just because times are tough doesn't mean we put our head in the sand and we say, okay, well, game's over. It, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that way. I've never thought that way. So despite having all the physical and the behavioral issues, it was that self drive to fix myself, knowing that having the self confidence to say, I can figure this out and we're going to get on the other side of it. And I don't care what I have to do. I don't care how much money I have to spend. I don't care if we go in debt. I don't care if I lose my friends, uh, anything. As long as I can keep my family together and do things and, and still be a man of integrity and a man of character, then I'm going to go after it until I figure out the answer. You know, and then when he did, my dad gave me some good advice. You know, he's like, son, I know that you're hurting and I can't, uh, I can't relate or to anything that you've been through. But if you can find a way to make this about somebody else, if you can find a way to put value into somebody else, that will help you. That will be able to put value into you. And that's exactly the case. You know, Mike and Sincere, I, if you make it about somebody else and make it, how can I work through this and also make it about getting somebody out of this else out of the same situation. Not only does that help that other person, not only does that help grow them and, and sharpen their perspectives, it does the same thing with you. And, you know, that, that's what it's all about figuring out what that is for you. What is that meaning? What is that purpose for you? You have to find it. But I found that when you wrap that up and helping somebody else, you can always figure out, you know, your why. And if you have yeah. a big enough why, you can always figure well, out. That right how. there is a magic cure yeah. for bitching right there. You know, people that, you know, people always have the <laughs> self pity and feeling bad about themselves and playing the victim role. That's how you cure that in one failed swoop right there. You know, just make it bigger than you. So if somebody out, trust me, no matter how much your day sucks, somebody else's life and everything else is sucking far times more worse, than, you know, worse than yours is. So, and so now that you can acknowledge that, what are you going to do to help them? You know, make them feel better. And like, I, I can't think of anyone that felt bad about helping someone, you know, as far as there's somebody that needed yeah. it, not, not, not a, not a moocher, you know, not a leech or someone like that who had no intentions of doing anything that they could have done for themselves, but someone who truly was in need. When someone actually helps someone that's truly in need, no one ever walked away. It's like, hmm, that sucked. <laughs> you know, I, I doubt it, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's fulfilling. It's absolutely fulfilling. And, and, you know, you wrap that up in your in your purpose and, and that's what you have. And, you know, a, a friend of mine gave me some good advice, you know, when I was telling him about some of these things. And he's like, hey, man, you know, these problems aren't specific to you. I know you think you are. And he's telling me his personal story. He's like, hey, I thought these problems were specific to me, but they're not. Has anybody ever been in the same situation that you're in and succeeded anyways? And if the answer is yes, and the answer is always yes then so can you. And that's got to be your mindset. Yeah, it's just uh, like Ryan Holiday was on our show, the author of Obstacles the Way, and it's the, yeah, it's the, it's, yes, the winner mentality of looking at obstacles as opportunities. And looking back on any success I had, it always started off as an obstacle, which I didn't see as an opportunity at the time in terms of what it led to later. But like you, you just wanted to blast through it, and then all of a sudden that – but it would also it, – it opened up a lot of opportunities when you made it bigger than yourself. 
You say, I can so I can fix these problems for me. And I bet there's plenty of other people that are dealing with similar things. So when I share this story, it's going to help them. And who knows where that road's going to take you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was, I was a fan of that book. Um, and, you know, what I liked about that was, you know, making it about somebody else and realizing, you know, these challenges when you start to look at them through a different lens and you start to uh, instead of saying, man, I want to get out of this situation, embrace those feelings, embrace those emotions, be able to step out of yourself and take stock of what's going on. You start to have a different appreciation of things and you start to say, OK, instead of running from these perceived difficult areas, I'm going to see how I can turn this into a focus and harness this to overcome or and, and, and use this to like, like we talked about, contribute and to help somebody else. You know, and it's and again, it's, it's I think we try to run away from negative perceived negative emotions or feelings or stuff like that. Um, and I think we need to we can learn a lot from them if we just take the time to kind of be mindful about that situation and why it is. you're going to grow, man. You got to go through, you know, you got to take on that resistance. I mean, it goes all the way down, even just training. You know, you sit there and just, if you just sit there, yeah. and, you know, you're in maintenance mode all the time and you're just working at that same little PR that you've had for the last two years, then you're not growing, dude, and nothing's happening <laughs> there. So you got to, you got to push and challenge for those muscles to grow. And so the same thing has to go with that mental muscle and, and just, you know, that muscle, just having the fortitude and the heart to push forward. You got to go through those challenges. You know, no one ever sits there and shares war stories of all the easy times. <laughs> nobody talks about that. Like, oh, I remember when this this came easy. I remember my mom just bought me all this. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> People want to hear the real stories, man, the challenges, so they can feel inspired. Like, or realize, you know what? I went through the same thing. I'm glad it wasn't just me. <laughs> Those are the stories that really get people going, man. I think the problem with some people is that now they're they they just have the wrong intentions. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fake generosity or false <laughs> generosity. Where they try to come off like it's all about helping other people, but it's all about screwing other people over under the pretext of help to help themselves. So we see that quite a bit in the fitness industry, for example. You know, we could go down, we could go down a lot of examples here. So I think, but but generally, generally over time, those people are exposed oh, yeah. because uh, you know UFC, UFC Matt Brown was on our show one time, and he he made a he said something that really stuck stuck with me, and, it, and he said it in the context of fighting, but it's it can be related to really anything. Is the truth always comes oh, yeah. out? So if you say you're all about helping people, well, whether that's true or not is going to come out eventually. If it's about helping others, it's, it's, that truth will be sustain itself. If it's not, that's going to come out. But no, but just just to, just to, to add on to my point, there was a funny episode of I think it's the Real Husbands of Hollywood, <laughs> yeah. something like that, right? It's like this, yeah, par- it's like this parody of all those reality shows, right? And there's an episode with Kevin Hart where you know, he's making fun of himself in the show. But uh, in one scene, he's talking about how he wants to help kids and all this <laughs> other stuff. And then when the camera's off, he's talking to someone in his backyard. He's like, look, man, I don't give a fuck about no kids, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, think, I think a lot of people are – I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I would say some people are like that. where They like to come off with fake generosity. In other words, when the cameras are on, you know, they'll hug the kid and – and hug the puppies and all that, and then when they're in their privacy, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, get that dog no, I think the fuck the out biggest, of here. I mean, what people are talking about. Hey, I don't want to turn away any of those people. So that fake, generous people, they can still be fake and, and generous to uh, the War Angels Foundation. So I'll give it. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If they're going to make a donation, they're hey, going to make that, a donation. As long as that's real money, not counterfeit money that they donate, you know, <laughs> everything else can be fake. Yeah, no, but like it's a status symbol oh, yeah. for a lot of people. So absolutely. Right. If someone's making a hundred thousand dollar donation for the wrong reason, it's still, it's right still going to be used for the right reasons. you'll make sure that it's for the right reasons. Okay, you can help cleanse that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so what, what's the what's the biggest thing you guys need to really proliferate this thing to get it out there? Is it fundraising? Is it awareness? Both? You know, we've set up the logistical and the administrative system. Um, we we now have the the body of work to that supports what the scientific literature is saying. And, and it's, so it's resources now. Yeah, we need resources to be able to effectively treat, take this and treat it uh, effectively. And then how do you do that? Well, you do it just like we're doing. We're, we're training doctors in this specific protocol. Dr. Gordon is very particular about who he allows to even come to the conferences that he, that he puts on and even more particular about what they have to do to show themselves to be uh, worthy after graduating from his course. And so you set up uh, those doctors around the country where you can now affect things at scale. And so when we do that, you know, we uh, we can take 10,000 people and we can spread them out and we can treat them, you know, in the course of uh, three months. So, you know, that that's one side of it. The other side is this, this needs to be something that is offered and administered by the Department of Defense and the Veterans Administration. So we're working to effectively uh, bring that change about. And our uh, our goal as of right now is by January 1st of 2020 to have this implemented within those two systems and effectively work ourselves out of a job. So it's not set up for just to suck resources. It's not set up, you know, set up to just raise awareness. We're set up to solve a very specific problem with a better, uh, more cost efficient solution and then get back to, you know, go find something else to do. Um, but the biggest stuff we need is people pushing this information out to the people who need, need to hear it, uh, to the family members, uh, and then to uh, people who want to get involved. We have a plethora of ways that you can get involved on our website. Yeah, that's an important point you brought up that you want to be out of a job because a lot of nonprofits that are – that are not so generous, they're, they're, they don't want to be out of a job a business. because as long as the problem exists, they're making their $500,000 a year salary. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it, it, it goes to me just, I mean, that's good. It's kind of a special forces mission. You know, we always wanted to go in there and work with the indigenous forces, train them up to a certain level where they can now take over and, and, and implement their own security forces in their own country, wherever that be, and then effectively work ourselves out of that job uh, and not have to influence over there anymore. So we're taking that same mentality to the, not the world of nonprofit. And instead of just existing to exist and to suck up resources and not to really do anything, we're doing the exact opposite. We have a very specific uh, mission, a very specific goals. We will get it implemented. We will change this. And then we will not ask, you know, to anybody to give resources to that anymore. Um, there's other things we can focus on that we're getting interested uh, in as well as, and that's the homeless situation in America and the uh, uh, incarceration uh, of, of so many uh, people, uh, you know, un unnecessarily. And what we found is the, the, the correlation between behavioral health and head trauma is, you know, there, where the correlation is now there. So we know a lot of these people that are homeless, that are incarcerated, are there through actions that they did not want to commit. Uh, it was because of a deficiency in the brain that they didn't have a choice otherwise to act. So we think this has uh, potentially uh, huge positive consequences across the board for the for the entire you know world. And it's it's not about just veterans or, or, or TBIs. It's about stopping suffering that doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be. And that's that's again, uh, I know I said it uh, a few times, but it's it's what the evidence is supporting. And there's no false hope. We're offering solutions backed up 
you know, by science and the data of our of our uh, population. Yeah, you're putting a spotlight on an issue that a lot of people could be dealing with who are not involved with the ex- specific experiences right. you guys have been through, right? Combat experiences where someone could have just been in a bad mm-hmm. car accident and had a serious whiplash, a head trauma, and now they're just not the same and they don't understand why. Absolutely. There's over a million uh, traumatic brain injury cases in, in America a year, and that's just something that warranted going to the emergency room. So I, I don't know how, how we can quantify the people who didn't think to make the correlation to go and check those things out. So it is a, is a, it is a very big problem. I think there's 5.3 million uh, people that are uh, completely disabled by the traumatic brain injury you know, they have. So it, it, is a, it is a bigger issue. It can you know, affect and, and happen to anyone. So it's, that's why it's so important uh, and it's good to get on forums like this, like you guys have provided us. Where people can get this information, and you know, we don't just have to be a veteran for it to make uh, to be relevant. I think it's really interesting that you're taking this information, and then the next step could be looking at why are people right. homeless, and how much, what, what percentage of that population is from head traumas, well, and then looking at why are people in prison, and what what percentage of that population is from head traumas. It's fascinating. We have got in contact. Well, a couple of groups have got in contact with us. Um, uh, homeless uh, groups, and one specifically uh, here in Texas, the, the the main one in Texas, they ran a survey through their homeless population in Austin, Texas, and they did this for a couple of years, and the data that came back was over 50% of the people they surveyed had multiple head injuries, um, and so they had all the different types of injuries they have. So we have all the scientific data from this, uh, this one survey. So just in the Texas, the Austin, Texas homeless population alone, we found 50% of those people are affected by head trauma. So, um, what they hypothesize is the same results that we're seeing with the veteran community can be replicated now in the homeless community. So we're working on getting a, uh, research project ready to go to look at uh, how we can affect that homeless situation there. But could you imagine the uh, ramifications if we can prove that correlation? That's incredible. Treat it. Because most people, most people draw the complete wrong or erroneous conclusions there. I mean, I was, I've brought it up before on the show, but I was talking to a lady at the dog park in my neighborhood and she was talking about, oh, they're all these homeless losers. Why can't they just get a job? Why can't they go stay with family? And I was like, man, you are so disconnected from reality. It's not even funny. Not everybody has fucking family they can go stay with right. in hard times, <laughs> you know? And not, yeah. not everyone has. Some people, I mean, a lot of people are just barely making it each month where if just a few things go wrong, they're out well, on the street. Yeah, some of these folks have, no, some that's the reality. Have a lot of people. Some of them have jobs and they're homeless. Some of them have, but they're not making enough, absolutely, you know, to have quality housing or housing that they could afford. Or they have families. And here's the deal: you have to make this choice. Like, okay, do we go? Do we go to this homeless shelter, or do we go stay in this low-income housing where the crime rate is just, just exponentially, just through the roof, and you put your family in danger? So sometimes, you know, these people who are the head of the house have got to make these choices. And so you got to make it's either or. It's like, okay, we can go to the shelter where it's a little bit safer than going to this low-income housing where you don't know what's going to happen. Someone could kick your door in or whatever else, and all for what? Just because you can just bear – I mean, this is what you're stuck with. So you got to make those choices. So, it's, yeah, it's very – it's, it's 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 so much it's of like a privilege type situation for someone to even make a comment like that. It's like God. Absolutely. It's like really, lady, are you are you serious right now? Where have you been? 
<laughs> well, it's just yeah, exactly. It's just such it's, you're just so disconnected from reality. But no one thinks of what you're bringing up, Andrew, of head trauma. No one's thinking. I mean, that's not the first thing that comes probably to really anyone's mind when they see a homeless you know, person. They may think like, oh, here's you know, oh, maybe a vet coming back and you know fell on hard times because you see a lot of that. But and they just leave it at that. They don't go. They don't dig deeper and they're wondering like, okay, what kind of hard times? Yeah. You know, was, I mean, were the hard times here? Yeah. What, what was fascinating was was that uh, they came back and they said, hey, we've, we've watched your guys' uh, research and, and your results, and this is what we found through our survey, and uh, would you be interested in, in helping with this? We, we hypothesize that this we can replicate your, your results in this homeless population. So fascinating. And, you know, I'm so thankful to have uh, gone through all these experiences because it's opened my eyes because I, I never would have made that comment about a homeless person, but I never would have thought, you know, hey, are they there through no uh, fault of their own or by not by their own decision? You know what I mean? They're just they don't have the mental faculties now to go and get employment, to go and be able to uh, give the right reactions to certain situations. Can they not remember? Uh, is their short term memory just completely flawed? So, well, I mean, the mistake a lot of people make also is they think, oh, you know, they just need to deal with it mentally. And they don't realize that. Hormones have way more effect on how we think and feel than how we think and feel affects our hormones. So some people will say, oh, you know, just start meditating. You'll optimize your testosterone. No, it's not that fucking simple, right? Optimize your testosterone and you'll improve your meditation skills. You know, not yeah. necessarily the other way around. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying the importance of meditation. I'm just saying that if your testosterone levels are, compl- are, are next to zero, just uh, meditating and and going to support groups is not going to bring it up to an optimal level. That are happening, whatever. It's really hard to sit there for five minutes and try to erase your mind. In fact, being being in that silence <laughs> right. when those things are going to really, you know, really be exaggerated in your head. In, in this. And they were like, I don't yeah, want to yeah. go. No, but, but if you optimize your testosterone, your DH, if you optimize all of those things, it's going to affect everything else dramatically. Yes. But not the, but not right. the other way around is really the, yeah. the point, the yeah. conclusion yeah. I'm trying I'm, to I'm a prime example because, again, I was trying to – being that, uh, that, that positive person, having that positive self-belief and uh, self-talk to one day then I, uh, I'm having trouble being able to do that. I'm still having the positive self-talk, but now half the time it's, it's negative talk. And I'm like, well, why is that happening? Stop that. And, okay, well, you need to try meditating. Man, I can't even think straight and uh, meditate. You know what I mean? So you're exactly right, Mike. You, if you don't fix your biochemistry, if the biochemistry is not correct, all these other supplemental things are not going to work. Conversely, fix, correct the deficiencies, uh, you have your biochemistry where it needs to be, then all these secondary uh, treatment and, and, and benefits like meditation can now reach their full potential, just like you said. And uh, I, I've seen that firsthand, you know, through my own experiences. Yeah, I mean, if a homeless person is feeling the way you did at your lowest point, of course they're not going to be able to hold down a job. <laughs> yeah. Of course they're not going to be able to have stability in their life. I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, so that's that's we're excited. You know, we think we can we think we can uh, make a difference uh, in these arenas as well. What are some of the success stories that you guys have experienced, man, through your organization? You know, I, I uh, thanks for asking that sincere. I, I, I'm not a uh, I consider myself a hard man, but I, I get emotional uh, thinking about it and talking about it. And it's because I understand the stakes and I understand um the damning effects uh, that the silent wounds of war has on the family, on the marriages, on the children. Um, but 
the the results uh, that we're seeing again, time and time again, is people coming off a multitude of medications, people who had more than one attempt at suicide, now living a purposeful life, having a job that they're passionate about, making their vocation their their vacation, and being able to uh, be uh, in life again and be around their children, have their children, have their wives want to be around them, uh, have, listening to somebody significant other saying, you know, my husband's back, you know, you brought me and my husband back, and you know now, you know now I can I can you know I can function, you know I can have a job. So these are the things again, time and time. Again, Again, we, we don't have one case where somebody was deficient or insufficient in the neurosteroids and had them correctly replaced where their quality of life did not improve. And I'm talking about dramatic improvements. Do not have one case. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me one bit because, I mean, it's, I mean – Hormone replacement will affect those things positively. So if that's someone, if someone has those issues, they're going to. Everyone who goes through the protocol is going to experience dramatic benefits. Yeah, you know, and, and a lot of guys, are, a lot of our guys have a problem with, like we we're talking about, anxiety and depression and rage and, and stuff like that. And so when you can correct those deficiencies, those go away. And again, th- those are some of the success stories. And so just, again, time and time again, uh, amazing success stories like that. Yeah, if you have no testosterone, DHA, pregnant alone, I don't, I don't care what book you read or you tell yourself. You're going to feel like crap. You're not going to feel good what's at all. Zilch. But if you improve those things, it's, it's, you, don't have to, you don't have to force yourself to feel good. It just comes naturally. You know, when you're – like especially with – when you get the, the ratios right between testosterone and DHA, pregnant alone, et cetera, in the, in the, in the context of libido – I mean, it's there. It's not something you have to think about. It's there. You know, it's gonna, yeah. it's, it's, it's gonna be pronounced all the time. It's not something where you're thinking, okay, what can I do to get my sex drive right. up? You know, yeah. it, it's up, whether right. you like it or not. <laughs> Waking up with the hard on is a good thing. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I just, like, I'm feeling good exactly. today. <laughs> it's a sign it's gonna be a good day. Exactly. Right? You know, starting off, starting <laughs> off right. You know. This starting off right. <laughs> it's a clear sign that eh, this could be a good day for you. It could, get, it could be very productive. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, no, I mean, you, you just you're right. You just feel good. You just feel better. You know, I mean, that's how the body was intended to be. Uh, it's what the process of natural selection through evolution has brought us. You know, so uh, that's well, where it well, needs so to be. many people don't feel good at all, though, right? They, they don't feel as bad as you did your lowest point or some of the people you work with, but they, they don't feel close to optimal. I mean, the average person out there. We, Walked up to the first hundred people. They're not feeling good. I can I can fucking look at people and tell whether they're feeling good or not. It's obvious to me. So just look at you know, how, how people store body fat is related to their hormonal profile. So people can lie all they want, but if they're truly honest with themselves, very few people are, are like, yeah, I feel fucking great. I'm feeling optimal. But that's the but that's something they should strive for. So I mean, so the information you're putting together here, it's it's really not just relegated to soldiers or people with PTSD or serious traumas, really everyone should take this stuff seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's about being at your optimal uh, peak levels and they're attainable, but it's like anything else. You have to earn it. You have to earn it and you have to earn it every day. And it's a conscious decision. And it's either, Hey, is my health important enough to me to align these things up so that I can live to my full potential, so I can be the husband, I can be the wife I need to be, I can be the father I need to be, I can be the leader I need to be, 
if that's important to you, then it's important enough to make the effort to do the right things, you know. And yeah, you, what you directly what you eat has a direct effect on your life. It's huge. Sure. So if you're feeling yourself full of processed garbage, you're going to feel like garbage. Well, I always tell, I always say, if you could give someone a pill where they feel hormonally optimal for an hour and then it wears off, right? They would do whatever it takes to get back to how they feel. <laughs> like, in that hour. <laughs> like, give me another one. No, a lot, a lot of people just don't know right. what they're missing. They just think, well, you know, this That's is how normal. it is. Everyone I know, <laughs> everyone I know is fat and out of shape and can't touch their toes. So I guess this is just part of aging. Just going to have a couple more beers and kick back. But I mean, but that's someone who maybe they were never optimal, or they maybe they were at one point and they've just completely forgotten, or they don't think it's attainable to get anywhere close to that. It could be one of many things, or just an addition of many things. But if they, if if you yeah. could feel, if you could feel what it's like to be optimal for a little while, you would do what it takes to get back to it. Yeah, hundred percent agree, Mike. And, and and being on the wrong side of health and then being healthy again, it's, it's the same scenario. You couldn't pay me enough to put anything that I think is going to damage brain health or or uh, weaken my performance or cause me to have a hangover or these other things. I mean, I, why would I want to feel that way? I don't. And so it's not even a difficult decision, you know. So that's one of the beauties of perspective and being on that wrong side of health and then getting healthy and saying, wow, I'm never going back to doing being in that scenario. Well, when you think of all those self-destructive behaviors, those are people desperately trying to feel good. So you go to the bar, you have a couple drinks, you're trying to feel good. How you, how you feel doing that though is nothing compared to how it feels to be hormonally optimal. So what someone who is, it's, it's easy to avoid those habits when you feel good all the time. It's not a temptation anymore because it's not going to make how you feel better. It's going to make it worse. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it goes back to that trying to run from those emotions or uh, using something else, maybe substance abuse or, or alcohol to drain out those emotions instead of feeling taking the time to actually discover what that, that emotion means and, and use that to better yourself. And it's something that you don't like. Figure out how you can implement something to change it. Yeah, so I mean, I, I I just can't emphasize enough how important it is to optimize your hormonal profile because it'll it'll just improve every facet of your life. Yeah, I mean, you'll go from someone who's just coasting to man, what can I do now? I want I want to I have the courage to pursue what I always wanted to do. You know, it, it's it's I, I just can't imagine living where you're just drifting through life. You're just doing a job. You're going through the day. You're just watching a lot of TV at night. You're not excited about anything, and you're just drifting along. And so many people fall into that category. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, talking again about success stories and what we're talking about, we, we've had people that had severe, severe head trauma uh, and actual physical damages uh, to the brain and then optimized their hormones again and they're functioning at amazing levels, so much so that the, the medical community that sees them can't comprehend how this person is now able to function like they are with this type of uh, physical damage. But yet here we see them out living a life, being able to walk and talk and live, uh, play with their kids, have a job. And so going from a vegetable to that by optimizing hormones, unbelievable. So how much more so if you're not, you're not even that far off, I mean, you're not even that bad off. You're just, uh, you're having some issues get that corrected, how much more uh, optimal are you going to be? You know, right. is, is unbelievable. Right. 
I mean, that that medical community, they, they should be the thing they should be shocked about the most is the fact that they're not abreast <laughs> right. to all this research and utilizing it. You know, that's what they should. I would be ashamed. I'd be like, why don't I know about this? Why don't I know about this where I can utilize it with my people, myself, et cetera? What is what what is how, what is the assessment process when someone comes to you? Do they start off with a questionnaire and then they do lab work? How does the whole yeah. process go? Yeah. yeah uh, so. If anybody wants treatment, they come to our web- website, they go to our sign up for treatment page and they fill out a, a new patient intake form. And that gives us their, their basic data. That's going to send them a follow on email with a, uh, some HIPAA compliant forms and a detailed health questionnaire uh, that Dr. Gordon has uh, generated. So they fill out that detailed health questionnaire, they get it back to us. We vet um, the incoming health questionnaires and intake forms to make sure they are a veteran and they, they do think that they've had some type of uh, head trauma or they say they are or they're having post-traumatic stress issues. They don't have to verify that because a lot of people uh, had those injuries and they didn't get verified or even um, you know accounted for why they're in because they didn't want to talk about it. So we just want people to say, hey, if you think you have a problem, come to us. So if you meet those prerequisites, um, then we'll fund you. And what happens then is we use a lab in Florida called Access Medical Labs. They'll mail the um, veteran their kit, say they're in Las Vegas where you're at, Mike. So they'll mail the uh, lab kit to you in Las Vegas. We'll make uh, coordinations with the lab that's closest to your geographical location. So you'll take your blood kit to the lab. The lab will draw your blood. Then the lab will send that back to Access, uh, Access Medical Labs in Florida. They'll run their diagnostic panels, get the data. They'll send that to Dr. Gordon, who's in California. They'll receive the results. He writes a detailed patient uh, report, and he gives you an email and, and both and booklet form via FedEx. Um, so once you receive that information, we'll make coordinations for you to um, meet doc, uh, Dr. Gordon through Skype consultation. So he'll do a Skype consultation and goes over through everything in excruciating detail. You guys are both to agreement about what your protocols should be. And then uh, that will end that conversation. We'll receive the invoice at that time. We'll fund it, and the protocols will go out that day or the next day. Um, so we, we found a way essentially to bring world-class care to veterans and service members wherever they are at without having to physically go to the doctor's office. And then we uh, reassess every 90 to 120 days with follow-up labs, and uh, Dr. Gordon uh you know, we'll make tweaks on their protocols as we get the data back from their, their labs. So he's Dr. Gordon's able to prescribe medications or, or in this case, testosterone replacements via distance. Yeah, it's, it's through uh, something called telehealth. So if there is, there's a couple of things that uh, he has to, if he has to prescribe, he has to go through a physician in your state. Right. Um, so we'll make coordinations to get that physician uh, in contact with Dr. Gordon um, so he can bring them online and then have that physician in the state write the prescription for like Clomid or testosterone or the only two, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and But that hasn't been an issue. We've worked hard to pull out all the obstacles and all the kinks to make this as seamless uh, as possible and as user-friendly as possible. When you think about the guys that we're, and girls that we're getting, it needs to be because they're having a difficult time focusing and, and things like that. So again, you know, we tried to think outside the box, how can we remove, uh, not we have need a central location, how can we remove the, the doctor from the office, from the equation, and how can we streamline the process to get world-class care instead of the bureaucratic mess that other places are dishing out? Right. What about growth hormone? Is that utilized? 
Doc, yeah, Dr. Gordon uh, has a, a product, I believe, that uh, boosts that naturally called yeah, secretropin. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, we had a lot of success with people in the uh, in the program on that as well. Well, hey, man, this has been fantastic. Where, where, where can people find out more information about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. We're on the web at www.waftbi.org. That's waftbi.org. Got links to all our social media. Um, starting to have YouTube uh, videos come out. So we're always just trying to put out uh, content of value about brain health and, and uh, updates about what we're doing. And uh, if you want to sign up for treatment or you know somebody that wants to sign up for treatment, you can find that through our page. If you're interested in helping or getting involved, like Mike and Sincere have, you can do that from our, our website again. And Mike and Sincere, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Mike has been an uh, incredible advocate from us for us for day one, uh, Sincere as well. And it's just uh, I can't say enough about the, the, the character uh, that you guys have to, to do something like that and to allow us this uh, time slot to talk to your audience it's just been an absolute honor and a pleasure oh man the honor is ours yeah man, Great. Uh, yeah, man. thanks thanks for your service country it's just a just a funny joke that i thought of with dr gordon when he was on our show when, when first time he came on he was talking about trt and he's like i don't like women using trt because it makes their clits big and guys don't look at <laughs> and then and then since there's like well, let's not generalize dr gordon you know <laughs> some guys might be into that you know <laughs> No white set for It's like the first time we had him on, it was he, he didn't you know, he was like, Who are these two guys? Because he had no clue what he was getting himself into. The second time he realized what what, what the kind of the kind of show we do where it's just more conversational and it's it's lighthearted at times, it's comical at times. So the second time he he just had a blast because he knew he knew what he was getting into. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Oh, cool. Well great man, it's a pleasure. Keep up the work you do and just let us know if there's anything we can do to help out. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you guys both. You guys have a great rest of your day. Talk take care, bro. Soon. Thank you, Andrew. You take care, bye. Bye. Yeah. And again, that's Andrew Marr. Check out warriorangels.com, and he's on Twitter as well. If you have some questions you want to hit him up with or you want to contact him via the organization, just go to warriorangels.com. And Dr. Mark Gordon is also – I'm not sure if he's available for just regular folks as well. I think he's so busy with this organization. But if you if you're hearing these stories and you're thinking, man, you know, I'd, those sound like symptoms right. I have. What can I do? You can contact him via these websites and they'll find someone that he's trained locally and get you in touch with that person. Yep. Good, man. And more importantly, everyone who's listening to this should make a donation exactly. to warriorangels.com. Fr- frankly, you should be ashamed of yourself. If you listen to this episode and you don't do jack shit, shame on you. I mean, the link is right there in the show notes every week. And, and right now as we speak, you know, I'm sending out a tweet right now, you know, asking you guys to join me in supporting this organization as well. So can't run from it, man. Come on. Like I said, this is not this is not something that just affects soldiers who are coming back. This affects all of us in some way, in some form, some shape. It's, it's not there's no disconnect here. It's all affecting all of us no. in some and, and everyone listening can make a five dollar yeah. donation. If you can't, then you shouldn't be listening. You should be out there getting another job. <laughs> exactly. You know, you shouldn't shouldn't be wasting time on the internet, dicking around or listening to the shows. You should be out there scouring the world for financial <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely, man. All right.
And if you don't want to make a donation to one, do this. Use that coupon code. Yeah, use that coupon code LLA. Go get 10% off. Support our our respective businesses, and we'll keep making donations. So we'll do it on your behalf. That. Okay. If you don't want to do it direct, <laughs> we'll be the middleman. You know, because that's definitely what we do. It's not like we just take all our don't you know all of our support and and when people buy our products and it's like oh just put it in our pockets and we're going on by our day. You know we. We, we give out to a lot of different charities out there and a lot of organizations that we truly believe in that, yeah, man, we really want to support them. So whether you want to or not doing it directly, you're doing it. <laughs> so there it is. And uh, you know, if you have your own podcast, you have your own show, you oh, should yeah. get someone like Andrew on. Get Andrew on the He's show. a far better guest than a lot stop, of these stop. dumbasses that, you know, so many people that they, they, they circulate on their podcast over and over who are really never really adding any real value to Things that really matter in life, you know, just kind of posturing right. and, you know, all this other crap, you know, like trying to tell you how to dress and, and, and pretty much, you know, like, you know, what's the best haircut and what's the best bow tie to wear? Like, come on, man. There's, there's far more important things going on there. And plus, if you need a podcast to tell you how to dress, you got a problem. Cause first of all, it's a podcast <laughs> yeah, exactly. and you're listening. You're not even looking at them for most, most of the time. And if you are watching, if you're, if you're a grown man, if you're a grown man and you're listening to a podcast and how to dress, that's a problem right my, there. They have a solution for that. If you're a man and need someone to teach you how to dress, they have a solution. It's called your mother okay i'm pretty sure she tried to do that in probably the first 18 years of your life you know but if you still need to keep going and find like these shows to show you how to dress or whatever else like come on man well we, we gotta we gotta do a show on all the mistakes people make when they do podcasts right because like like i, like, I don't consider like us super experts in how to do this we've been doing it for a couple of years but there's a lot of things we do right and i see a lot of things people do wrong one big thing is when someone invites me to be on their show and they go, okay, these are the six questions I'll be asking you on the show. And the six questions are obviously extremely generic where obviously this person every asks episode. every guest who yes. comes on the show. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm a big fan of your work. It's like, no, you're not. If you were a big fan of my work, you would have specific <laughs> questions for me, not these six generic questions you ask every motherfucker who comes on your stupid ass show. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, just <laughs> – that was funny. Another another thing that's funny is like, oh, I'm a big fan. Love to have you come on the show. Let's do a, a pre-call to like, make what sure. What the hell is that? It's like, well, if I'm a, if I'm a big fan, of, if you're a big fan of my work, why do we need to do a pre-call? Why do, why do I have to sell myself to you on coming on your stupid show? <laughs> you know, people buying into these formulas that you know they're they're being sold as this is a winning formula to have a successful podcast. No, that may have worked for that person selling that formula, and that's how their podcast probably worked out. Doesn't mean it's going to work out for you because you don't necessarily have their audience or their charisma, or even you're not even that person. So. Well, most people don't even want to do a podcast. It's like Ryan Holiday when he came on the show. He's like, a lot of people do podcasts because they're thinking, oh, podcasts? Is that what exactly. people are it's doing? It's a good now? marketing okay, tool. And that's what it's, a lot of times it's being sold as that. It's like, hey, if you have a business, you know, one of the things you want to do because, you know, the whole scope of marketing is changing now and you can't Google ads and all that's not working. You need to have a podcast. That's what you need to do. And that's how you help your business. That's what's going to help the marketing of your business. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so but if that's what you're specifically doing it for, it's not going to work. It's going to suck. Yeah, it should be a side effect rather than the exactly. main focus, right? But when, you know, when I look for guests to come on the show, I look for people that I think we would exactly. want to talk to. I was like, man, this guy sounds interesting or this girl sounds interesting. Let's get right. them on the show. That's what I think. I don't think, oh, this person will move the ticker. It's boring <laughs> as fuck, but he'll we'll get a lot of downloads. <laughs> a lot of times when people make some of these recommendations, they're, they're going, oh, you should get this person on the show. It's like, no, I'm not going to get that Why? person on the show because I could care less about talking to that person. 
if I don't care about talking to the person, it's not going well, to be a good, it's not going to be a good episode. Me, we can't hide it. You, you would know. You would know like, okay, those guys are definitely, oh no, you don't have to worry about us not getting to it because <laughs> that, that episode would have ended very quickly. Like, wow, that was the fastest episode ever. Like it was only like 15 minutes. And that episode won't even, that episode exactly. won't even air. <laughs> yeah. That's a great thing about not doing a live show. If the episode sucks, we don't we, have we to, don't to punish it's you. Like there's for an that obligation we <laughs> It's not like there's an obligation for us to air the show just because we recorded it. If the episode sucks, Damn we can it. just you know <laughs> trash that, trash that episode. Yeah. Oh man, so let, let's definitely do an episode down the road where it's just us talking about effective strategies for doing a podcast. What, should you even do a podcast? And then a lot of the things we see people doing wrong with various shows out there. I think the best shows are just to just to put a exclamation point on this this conversation about it is. Interesting conversation. You know, that's what people want via a podcast. Not someone asking generic questions. And then they ask you the questions and then they don't have anything to say about what you just said, right? They just move on to the next question. Right. <laughs> it's, 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 that's boring as shit, man. Just do a conversation. It should be an interesting conversation. Someone listening should feel like they're in the room with you. And see, that's the thing I guess always, being always hilarious to me when I see somebody's comments, especially like when um, I send the episodes on YouTube and someone has obviously never really followed the show like on iTunes or Stitcher or something like that. They came across it on YouTube because it's probably suggested to them while they were looking up something else. And then they're listening for the first time. And it's like, oh, man, I just wish, you know, wish these guys, you know, would just kind of, you know, one person at a time and, and let this guy talk and or, you know, this and talking. It's like, first of all, we're not in the same studio. So if we're all in the same studio, then yeah. But when you're in three different locations most of the time, then you kind of you got to kind of work on the chemistry and the timing and the rhythm and, and all that. And sometimes it's not going to work that way. And also, it's not like Mike always says, this is not Charlie Rose. This is not Larry King. We're not going to sit here and like, well, blah, 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 blah. And how did you feel about that? You know, it, it's a conversation. Okay. It's a podcast. Look, man, if you want to watch a news program, an, an investigative news program, then there's a plethora of them on television, you know, or, or go listen to, right. you know, what is NPR? I mean, good. I mean, or if you, or if you just want to hear the guest, go exactly. watch one of their lectures. Go buy one. Go buy one of their products. Already on YouTube, you know, just look at one of the. Yeah, check out one of their lectures. Yeah, like you said, go buy one of their products. I feel like, oh, well, you should. It would be better if they just let this person talk. It's like, well, why do we need to be there then? You know, if they're just going to talk, we can say, hey, man, just talk about this, and we'll push record. See you in an hour. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not a podcast. We just let the other person right. person talk. I mean, it is a conversation, <laughs> yeah. man. And you really think that's what they want to do? I don't want to go on someone's show and give a lecture. I expect them yeah, to man, engage I need you to me. be in the conversation, yeah. man. I just don't 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 come in with your <laughs> you prepackaged six questions and like and and question number one, sincere and blah 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 blah. And then you just sit back because you're waiting for question number two. You're not even paying attention because the thing is, yeah, yeah. oh, good, good stuff, stuff. Sincere, yeah, good yeah. Stuff. That's, I really like that. It's like what did I say, <laughs> motherfucker? I really like that. I was, I was listening. To my, I was listening to someone's podcast this past week and um. It, you get oh was, I was listening because um I was listening to Tim Larkin on someone's podcast I won't even mention the podcast but I'm just telling you that I have to wonder were they really paying attention to Tim because there were so many things that he Tim is such a wealth of knowledge man how can you not be engaged in the conversation I mean he's got so many stories and and experiences but I can clearly tell that this person was more focused on them being the one to seem like the expert or want to just hear themselves hear themselves talk and also just. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's cool too, Tim. Yeah, that's really cool. But what I'm thinking is this, 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 like, dude, this is not your profession. What are you, why, are you, why are you offering your opinion, you know, on everything that yeah, Tim exactly. brings up? Like, dude, <laughs> come on, man. So it was to the point where it was getting very hard for me to even listen to the episode. It was, but I was really listening for Tim. 
But I was like, God, I just really wish this guy would go away because because obviously he's really not that interested. But or he's really trying to prove how much he knows about this topic or trying to right. just posture up on like, well, I, I never thought about that. I never thought about that. Well, obviously, that's why you bring him on the show, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Never thought at all. That's the problem here. <laughs> so yeah, man, it was. It got a little bit annoying at that point. So I was like, "Wow, man!" And I, I was just kind of wondering, like, how Tim. Tim is such a professional because you'll never hear it in his voice. But I'm just probably thinking, like, Tim's probably like, "Just shut up, dumbass, and let me finish talking." And 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 of course, yeah, you've never thought about that because you've never done this before. That's the reason why we're having this conversation in the first place. So it, it, it's it's interesting sometimes. So that's that's another aspect of podcasting that that's funny to me. Don't create a podcast just so you can be the expert of all things with everyone you bring on, with all the experts you bring on. You know, you don't have to be the jack of all trades. We know certain people that that's specifically why they created a podcast. And basically every episode, they are the know it alls. They know everything about that topic and what that guest is bringing to the table. Because you know, let them tell it. They've done it all. They've done all those things, but they don't. They just seem like idiots. Yeah, a better a better approach is when someone says something in a con- in, in one context, and then you you basically make some points about what they said and bring it to yeah. another context, so people have a greater understanding yeah. of it. So Andrew, for example, talking about how this affects how hormone optimization affects soldiers. Well, that affects yeah. everyone. So you bring it you bring it to a level where other people who are not soldiers can say, "Hey, this is important for me as well." So I should be looking into exactly. this. Exactly. Exactly, man. So, yeah, obviously we do need to have an episode about, you know, the podcasting one on one, the do's and don'ts, you know, from a non marketing off a podcast course standpoint. <laughs> so, like, we, I mean, there, I mean, it really comes down to a few yeah. points, right? It's like, one, is this something you actually want to do? Like, you're looking like this sounds like a right. fun thing to do rather than you're just doing it for business. And then, two, do you actually have people you're interested in talking to? You know, is, is, is there a long list? Like people you want to talk to, not people that you think are going to move the ticker. It's just you're reading a lot of books or you're watching a lot of clips and you're coming across interesting guests. Exactly. It really comes down to is, is this something you actually want to do for the sake of doing it? Imagine if you didn't make a dime exactly. off of it. Would you still want to do it? Yeah, that's why so many there are so many shows on iTunes that are like five episodes, you know. To my- yeah, yeah, exactly. They realized. Well, the truth came out, like Matt Brown right. said, right? They came, they came out. I mean, if you start a show and six months later it's over, guess what? You didn't really want to do it, you know. And now you know, and now everyone else knows exactly. too. And take those episodes down, man. It's, it's frustrating. Pisses <laughs> me off. You know, I'm, I find a topic that I'm interested in. I see your, your, you know, your podcast pops up. But there hasn't been an episode since 2013. I'm like, come on, dude, delete these. This is dumb. Okay, <laughs> take it down. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so they're probably they're like, well, maybe people will. F- I'm gonna wait for those episodes to get a lot of downloads. Exactly. Then I'll start doing they the show back again. up. Then yeah. I'll start again. Like, good luck with that. It's 2016, man. That's three <laughs> years ago. I don't think they're gonna pick it back up. To my, to my, they're gonna bring back Revolution to come back on television again <laughs> before they pick up. Somebody picks up your, you know, once your podcast come back. So just stop it, man. Yeah, speaking of revolution, the main guy in Revolution, the guy who played yeah, that dictator, yeah. I, he, I, forget, I forget his I forget I forget his character's name yeah. in Revolution, but he's on a new show. Called yeah, I saw Game that. Silence, I saw him in the commercial. Really, really good, man. Yeah, it's, that's it's clearly based on that movie yeah. Sleepers with Brad Pitt back in the day, Robert De Niro. But they're going in their own direction. It, it obviously has clear points from that movie, but there there's enough differences that it's original, but it's really good. So that's a show definitely worth checking yeah, out. I saw him. I was like getting excited. But I was like, ah, but this is another show. <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> yeah, he's good. At, he's yeah. good at it. Though. 
Well, hey, man, let's end with this real quick. Some UFC predictions because we've got the John Jones fight coming up. Just the three main ones. we got Pettis, Barboza. Let's see. We've got Mighty Mouse and Cejudo and then Jones versus St. Prue with – Let's see, with Pettis versus Barboza, I would like to see Pettis win, but I think Barboza's going to win. (laughs) Yeah, because I think Barboza's the underdog, so that's another reason. I'm going to put a little bit of cash on that. And then with Cejudo versus Johnson, it's hard to bet against Johnson, but for some reason I feel like Cejudo's a tough. Yeah, it's going to, and he's a three to one underdog, which I feel is ridiculous. It shouldn't be that big of a spread. Cejudo's an Olympic level wrestler, he's undefeated. It doesn't mean that I don't think he's going to go in there and just and just pull off this crazy upset. But you know, I see a lot of you know where they're yeah. they're even in so many different ways. You know, other than just the octagon experience and the, those championship round experience, I think that's where Mighty Mouse has the advantage. But everything else, a lot of those things are pretty much to my uh, as my Goldberg's are like, virtually identical, which he overuses that phrase a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. <laughs> And so, yeah, I, I'm, I, I don't know, man. It's like, um, yeah, I, I want to go with Mighty Mouse, just like I said, for the experience and just him being the champ. And, you know, it just seems like he gets better and better with every fight. I mean, out of all these champs out there, people still don't have him in the conversation. But out of all those champs, when he when he had his belt and everybody had the belt in their, you know, respective weight classes at the time, he's the lone man standing. <laughs> Everyone else is pretty much. I, I think I think the criticism is just the, the caliber of opponents he's had is not the same as, let's say, the caliber of opponents that John Jones has had or the caliber of opponents. Uh, I'm trying to think of another dominant champion. I mean, but well, you look at his weight. Some points, of the, it's kind of like for the longest what Ronda had to deal with for the longest. You know, it's just like it's not his fault. It's just like it was, was me no, 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 from no, his I'm weight really class, not. you know, yeah. and, you know, that's right. He just happens to be in a weight class, which is yeah. fairly new. So there's not a lot of people in it. Right, it's not a well-established weight class such as two hundred five or heavyweight or. There's not a lot of grown-ass men walking around at one hundred and twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the only that actually want to fight. I mean, come on, man. That's less. That's less than what most women weigh, right? You know? <laughs> and pretty much the only time you're really going to find a lot of grown-ass men that actually fight at that weight class, they're in boxing. Okay, so. Yeah, no kidding. That's I mean, like wow, one hundred twenty-five pounds, dude. I mean, like wow, you're a grown man and you walk around at that weight. Yeah, you're a badass. And I, I, I give you that, but you just don't really see that very much. So it's not like those. Those are the, those are kind of like the UFC fighters you think you might have a chance because if if you can just pick them up, you know, and throw them as far as possible, you know, you might as a bigger guy, you might have a chance. You know, it's like look, you're a little badass, but if if I can somehow avoid exactly. a hit and pick you up, you know, I might stay the little guy point of view is like I can whip anyone's ass as long as I don't let him grab me. As far as you know, that's always been an attitude when dealing with a big dude, you know. So. Yeah, they're they're fast though, so the probability of you grabbing exactly. them and throwing them is pretty low. <laughs> but if somehow you can, <laughs> just, just do a Debo and Craig, just like go to, from from the movie Friday, like go oh, yeah. to sleep, go to sleep. Yeah. I'm gonna take all of my body weight and slam it into you on the mat as hard as possible. Yeah, that's the plan death, here. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm bringing back the bear hug, okay. <laughs> And then John Jones versus OSP, it's 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 easy to think that Jones is just going to blow right through this guy. But you know, there's some interesting points here. John hasn't fought in a while, and w- ring rust is always a factor. OSP is not some lackey of an opponent. It's not like they pick some guy who's not even ranked. You know, he's he's in the tops. I think yeah, he's, he's number six. Good, I mean, like, and, and and the people yeah, that he's, he's lost to is like, people. come on, man. They were, I mean, Glover. Yeah, Glover, Glover, Teixeira. Yeah, you gotta. It's not like he's lost to some Rudy poops. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, I, I think Jones is going to win. I don't have any doubt about that. Just, but 
it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if there were an upset there, given especially given well, how in many the past year. It's just like, whoa. <laughs> you know. I'm I'm curious to see what John looks like because now he's clean and yeah. sober. Now he's been powerlifting. He's really dedicated to his training and all of that. It'd be funny if somehow, if for some odd reason, that works against him. It'd be funny if he was a better fighter. You know, when he was dysfunctional, and that sounds stupid as shit. <laughs> but like stranger things right. have happened. So it's, it, it's kind of like rock stars when they get clean and sober, and all of a sudden their music <laughs> sucks. Yeah, it could be. Like, it's like, hey man, these guys are better with their. <laughs> It's like all that creativity John has with his combinations and so forth. You know, maybe that came from a place of self. Like you know, behavior, come on, you know? just Who believe you can knows? do anything. Like you know, it was the cocaine talking, man. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's going to be really interesting to see what John looks like here. I mean. You know, most likely he's going to be a way better fighter. He's just going to blow through him. But who the hell knows? You never know until you see it. Man. It's easy to sit around and, and make these right. predictions, but it, you never know until exactly. you see it. I'll tell you one thing. I felt I bad for Rashad. To bring it up, man. It's just like, I just, yeah, man, that was rough. It was, it was just hard to watch, but it's just like, uh, you got to start, you got to start asking those questions, man, at this point, especially being 36 yeah. years old now, about a decade into this, a little over a decade into this. And, you know, what, at this point now, are you, you know, you pretty much become a journeyman. Like, what are the real odds of you getting back in the title hunt after, you know, these kind of defeats, you know? Yeah, I, th- I thought Glover would like win, that, but I didn't man. think he would win yeah. that quickly and in the first round. I thought it might drag out. I thought yeah. it might be a, a dominant decision or maybe in the third round is a finish, but not in the first two and, minutes and, of the and first just, round. Not just with that, you know, just like, wow. just just But that precision of that left, man, right on that chin, and then, boom, that that, that follow-up right, right to, you know, the front of the skull. It's just like, wow, man. It was just kind of hard to watch. It just kind of it kind of reminded it was me tough. when Rashad you know, knocked out Chuck. No, it was just that same, yeah, that yeah. same feeling. Like, ooh, I don't know, man. I think this this might be it. Here's here's Chuck's one of Chuck's training exactly. partners, or former yeah. training partners, who who trained under yep. the same camp yeah. that Chuck trained under. And now yeah, it's coming full back. circle, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like wow, yeah. you know, that's that's, that's that thing. that uh, Khabib Namurga Khabib Namurga made off. Wow, that yeah. was awesome. I mean, obviously he fought he fought a last minute replacement, and obviously hey, everyone expected him to win. That guy. Man, oh, absolutely, man. Well, you I know, mean, frankly, he did a lot better than I thought he would. Oh, do. Yeah. He hung in there quite a bit in the first round. Had had some success too, but once Nurmega Meta yeah. found his rhythm, his wrestling is just sad. He's another guy that had a little bit. You know, to shake out the rust a little bit. It's been two years now. Almost. It, it was it was yeah. a good fight yeah. for him to have actually coming back instead of Tony yeah, is a stud man who was originally. <laughs> I mean, I, I still thought Khabib would win that fight, but I don't think it would have been easy because that Tony is a badass. And man, Rose and Tisha, man, that was that was. That was, that was that was pretty good. So now they're like one and one. Yeah, some people said that they, they expected more action. I thought there was yeah, quite a, there was a lot of action. <laughs> Trust me. Especially I was like, I don't exactly. know what fight you guys saw, but that, that looked pretty action. thing when, to me. when you're a little bit more evenly matched. And so every time you give something, they give you something right back. You know, it's, it kind of makes them you kind of think a little bit. So, yeah, I don't like what do you want them to do? Just go out there and just wail on each other, or whatever, else, which they pretty much did every time that clicker went off for those last 10 seconds. <laughs> you know they went at it, man. So I don't know, man. I, I thought it was a very good fight. I thought it was a very good fight, and you know it does, you know, definitely put Rose in the conversation for you know being next up, you know, out of the winner between you know Joanna and Claudia, you know. Yeah, but like with Khabib, a lot of people don't realize who he is because he had a yeah. two-year layoff. But go if you have Fight Pass, yeah. or you can, I'm sure you can find it on the web if you look. Go back and watch the fight with yeah, Rafael Dos. He's a legit. He's a legit. He was the champion. Okay, 
the guy, the guy who's the champion right now, the guy who destroyed Pettis. Okay, watch that fight and watch the way Khabib exactly. just manhandled him for three rounds. It's yeah. it's amazing. His wrestling is the best in the UFC by yeah. far. It's just he's he's just so good with just oppressing people with exactly. that wrestling. So it's gonna be interesting. It'll be very interesting to see how things turn out this weekend. Also, I mean, he's just an interesting guy in general. He's got an Arab name. <laughs> but he's Russian. He's a strict Muslim. <laughs> yeah, he's Russian, but he's a strict Muslim with an Arab name. And sometimes it sounds like he has an Arab <laughs> accent. You know, it's like there's a little bit of an Arab accent within the Russian. Yeah, accent. you know, it's funny because you know that you know my my wife and her family, you know, they're Arab or whatever. It's just so funny because the first time she saw him, she's like, Russian. He's not Russian. Well, he's, he's a big one of my people. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, the person born in Jersey without a Jersey accent. No, okay. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. So that's gonna. So anyway, that's gonna be exciting. So let us know what your predictions are. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what your predictions are, and we'll, we'll see what happens there. We're not gonna give you anything if you're right. Just let us know. <laughs> you're not gonna get anything out of it. We're just curious. Just a way to interact with us a little exactly. bit. How about that? That's what you get out of it. <laughs> All right, folks, use that coupon code LLA. Go get 10% off everything at MikeMahler.com. And thing, how about man. you, man? Head over to NewWarriorTrain.com. Use the same coupon code, 10% off. Also, head over to Patreon. Become a monthly supporter of the show, Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. And last but not least, share the episode, rate us, review us on Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher. Oh, did I say Twitter? Because <laughs> I'm looking at that right now because I just sent that tweet. No, <laughs> iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, YouTube, all that. All right, folks? That's how you can do it. Yeah, make a make a donation to Warrior Angels and let yeah, us know exactly. you did it. All right, All right folks, take care, take care. everyone.